Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So this is going to be a little bit of a weird episode because in talking about the 2015 draft, obviously we're going to be discussing Carl Anthony Towns. Danny and I both had him number one, but in light of the tragic news that his mother is in a medically induced coma and on a ventilator due to coronavirus, it didn't really seem right to be publishing something where we're discussing the merits and demerits uh, of his game. So this editing might be a little bit clunky here. We apologize for that, but we did want to get you to the content. It, it just starting off the podcast in particular with a clinical dissection of Carl Anthony Towns game just did not seem appropriate at all right now Tuesday night I guess it's Tuesday right it's tough to keep up these days but other than with this podcast so Tuesday night it is we're going to redraft the 2015 draft which is an interesting one in retrospect especially because you remember Danny what the zeitgeist was about that draft like two months in people were going crazy about how awesome it was yeah um something i thought was was interesting about this class um not to get you know to get all crazy in the beginning part of this but i thought it was interesting that there were 15 guys that were drafted in 2015 that still have not played a minute in the nba not that all of them ever will and that is twice as many as the year after um 2017 2016 where there are only seven and there are a lot of good players there's a lot of good stuff that we're going to talk about but but when you think about that as just a part of the draft process as we're redrafting it is you know you have to think about that in that especially that bottom 15 some of those players just are never going to come over so that means you need to squeeze a lot out of that top 45 and undrafted guys some of which did very well in this class yeah i mean i went down i stopped ranking after 21 because that's really where i got past the point of feeling that we had quality rotation players and there's maybe another 10 who are still in the league that are scraping out careers one of them is actually making 50 million dollars this year (laughs) amazingly uh but aside from that you've got guys who are kind of just hanging on it seems like and and this is now only five years into their career for these players we have a pretty good data set on who's gonna be good there are some players who still have a little bit more potential We'll, we'll get to those so here's where we take a, a quick break. Summary of this section, basically, both of us had Carl Anthony Towns number one, and now we move to discussing Kristaps Porzingis, who Danny had number two, and I had number three. I will say this, though. I didn't put in there. I gave a little bit of thought to actually having Kristaps Porzingis number one on this. So did I. What was your rationale? Porzingis... I still think that he has, you know, he doesn't have the defensive potential to be like a defensive player of the year type guy, but I think that he has the he has the ability there to be a reliable positive. And, you know, not in every system, but in the systems that a lot of teams run. And offensively, he is less capable, but you think about what having him on the team has done for Dallas's offense. And Porzingis would be like that almost everywhere. You know, there are some guys that are hard to fit in offensively. And Porzingis, to me, you know, a center who can reliably space the floor, who has a jump shot that's exceedingly hard to block, 
And even though his postgame sucks, that doesn't matter that much. And I think it's in some ways if, with the right coaching, and I think Carlisle is one of these right coaches, you can even make a weird argument that it's it's not a positive, but that it's less of a negative because when somebody's bad at something they shouldn't do, they won't do it. Yeah, I think that you can make the argument that Porzingis fits so well on both ends. Yeah, the defensive rebounding is a little bit of a problem, but offensive rebounding isn't a huge weapon for a lot of teams anymore. There is the thought that maybe he could get played off the floor defensively by the right team, but I don't know if that team exists anymore with the the demise of the Warriors or or the Heat with Chris Bosh at center. Uh, you know, I do worry about his lateral mobility, but I don't think there are teams that are just going to stress that out so much. And so we talked about how on previous episodes these big men who can shoot and protect the rim just give you so many options as a defense and an offense that they can fit in at a lot of places whereas towns you know yeah i think for most teams you would probably rather have carl anthony towns but for really high level teams you might rather have porzingis but that said porzingis the injury history still worries me yeah Uh, we haven't ever seen him in the playoffs and it's worth noting that this isn't the same as a a, as a pro as a uh, positional rankings where we're just looking at the next year i look at this more broadly too of kind of where who would you want to have for their career moving forward and Towns has, you know, he has, a, I think, a brighter light, even if it's not necessarily going to be realized. And remember, one of the important elements when you're looking forward, we do this when we do prospect rankings, is the possibility of superstardom. And I think Porzingis is a wonderful player, but he doesn't have that same type of ceiling to me. And that matters because if Towns can, you know, even if it's like a 5% chance that he becomes the guy that you and I both saw back then, that 5% is really important because that swings Minnesota or whoever's title odds for a half decade. So uh, I did the usual tier thing. I had Towns in, in the first tier by himself. I mean, it's pretty amazing how little playoff success or even playoff playoff existences. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the top of these guys have. I did go with Devin Booker number two. He answered a lot of questions for me offensively this year about his ability to fit in. You, he can work off the ball more with cuts. He showed that he doesn't need to be the pick and roll guy every time when he is playing next to Another point, God, I really enjoyed his ability to attack quickly in transition, posting up. He's very effective. And as an offensive player, I think he can be the hub of a pretty good offense. And Phoenix's numbers when he was on the floor without really a ton of talent around him were very solid. Top half of the league type of offense, uh, maybe even higher than that. I think at one point this year, they had a 114 offensive rating with him on the floor, which was was pretty good, uh, even in these inflated times. But the defense... He showed a little bit early on in the season and then I thought really regressed. And by the end, as their playoff chances waned, he was right back to where he was going to be. But there was at least that just a scintilla of evidence that maybe he can be better on defense and also just bad defense at that position doesn't matter as much. So I do have him above Porzingis. I had them two and three in the same group, uh, the same tier here. Part of that is health related for Porzingis. If Porzingis finished this year out, had a nice playoffs, I very easily could have moved him ahead. But Booker also took some strides forward and Booker also has a, a couple years behind Porzingis as well. He was one of the youngest guys in his draft class. Yeah, and Booker has also grown so much over the last couple of years. There's a reason to believe that the skill development can continue where Porzingis doesn't have that as much skill development to do. So I, I was... I, yeah, I, I, I think I, due, due to his physical limitations. Exactly. Like, like, he just, he, he's not strong enough to post up like with real deep post position and he's a little bit too slow to really drive it so 
I agree with all that, and this was a really close decision for me because I, I, I mean, I had Devin Booker third in shooting guard rankings. You had him second, and so the 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 argument for him is so much easier now that we think he can be the the engine, the initiator of a successful offense. I ended up going with Porzingis second in a weird way that it's not positional scarcity, but it's role scarcity. And so the idea that Porzingis can be a reliable rim protector and be a floor spacer that juices your offense without having to sabotage that defensive element, that is special. And I think to me, what Booker has done is he's moved himself into this group of, you know, you could say like having him on your team, you could expect that you will have an above average to average offense, you know, like in that range. And I think that in time, Booker will move more reliably into that above average camp. He just needs to get better than he is. And I fully expect that he will. But Think about what above average means. That means you're probably somewhere between the 12th and 15th best guy at that. There is a margin between him and like 17 or 18, but there just aren't that many Kristaps Porzingis's in the world. And so my idea behind it was, I think you could, you would sacrifice, if you said, okay, we'll lock in Porzingis and we'll find somebody to do the offense, it would be easier than we'll lock in Devin Booker and we'll figure out a center. And so it's totally reasonable. Like, I mean, I think you make an argument, A, that Devin Booker is a better player right now, and B, that he will be a better player moving forward. But if I'm thinking about this from the perspective of a draft and you don't know who your teams are going to be and everything else like that, I feel more confident in building around Porzingis than I do around Booker, as strange as that sounds. Yeah, I think it, there's a very good argument for that. Um, but it, And that's why I have them very close to one another. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Every sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us man i just love american giant just an amazing 
clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the all-star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing, like their premium Slub Crew tee, the No BS High Rise Pant, the Slim Roughneck Pant, featured in Giant Magazine, Issue 2. Every American Giant piece is made in America and designed to last no exceptions, and it provides year-round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finisher code CAPSPACE at checkout. You remember, we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know you came from us. Okay, my tier three consists of one player, Int- and that's Miles Turner. He's my number four. I have one other player in that tier. Josh Richardson? Yep. Yeah, I, th- there's an argument for that, uh, and I think just Turner, to me, has a little bit more upside than Richardson, and Richardson is older. And yep. So, th- so that's... Well, and, and there's and also, yeah. paralleling the Porzingis-Booker discu- discussion we just had, Miles Turner's the duality of being a positive defensive player and spacing the four, which I think has been underutilized in Indiana, as great a job as Nate McMillan has done. Th- there's a lot more that you could do with that. Josh Richardson, I-, I think right now, Josh Richardson's probably a better basketball player than Miles Turner, but it is harder to like use him on a really good team because he doesn't really run the offense and he's a good, he's a very good defensive player, but it's a different kind of really good defensive player. I think there are some issues here with like sort of like Robert Covington, where when you ask somebody like, why is Josh Richardson so good? How does that make a defense great like yeah he can be an important part of it but that's that that was the challenge like one of the challenges for me he's a great defensive player we know that and he can be a useful cog within a good offense but he's not like the main reason it's good by the way for those of you who are watching us live here on twitch feel free to ask some questions that come up to you uh, or comments uh, we'll take a, a few minutes at the end here to address some of those we'll try to preserve the same podcast experience overall so we, we won't take questions right in line but afterwards definitely as stuff comes up they'll all be uh, there we so can we'll, get back we'll take to, a look yeah exactly um yeah richardson to me i I think that makes sense. Just Turner being younger. I, we just, the, a little more upside. We don't know precisely what his ceiling is yet on either end. That, that's why I have him a little bit above Richardson. Richardson to me was also in his own tier, uh, at number five, uh, as a very solid starter. And some, he does have the advantage over say a justice Winslow or a Kelly Oubre guys who, who I had in the next group below him that he's older and fully formed. And so we have that certainty and we know that he's a very valuable player with his defensive skills 
set guard one through three maybe even four in a pinch he, he can shoot it well enough he's got some pick and roll ability although he's miscast as the primary guy as he's been at times this year in philly uh, all of that is extremely valuable and i mean there really isn't another player that i think of as an established championship level starter below josh richardson right yeah and there and there are, there are players who i think could fit in on the right system and everything like that but one of the other things that i like about richardson and, and with turner is yeah you can just you can put them in and you know what their you know what their role is and they've done it on good teams already i think that's another important important threshold not that everybody has had that opportunity though some of the players in my next tier down have but yeah i i thought that i thought that that was a fair distinction i had a gap between turn between richardson and everyone else i just had turner and richardson in the same tier so okay so i think then we're going to get to an interesting point so i had this was the most faint distinction between my what i called solid starters and then fringe starters and good backups some of it was opportunity some of it was just a few guys that i was a little bit shaky on but my solid starter group was actually only three guys yeah who was that uh it's funny because they're not going to be in the order of prestige but they're going to be in the order that i would theoretically draft them in in the abstract royce o'neill d'angelo russell and christian wood two of those three guys were not drafted but they are a part of this draft class because that's when they were eligible and I'll, I'll note for now, Justice Winslow is below this, and it's not because of his talent, it's because I'm scared of his back. And if, if, I, were, if I were confident that he was going to play at the level that we've seen before, he would be in this tier as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point about, about Winslow. I should probably move him down a little bit. Um, and, and also just some of his shooting is, there's just not enough of a sample there to have confidence in it. So give me those three again that are in that tier. Royce O'Neal, D'Angelo Russell, Christian Wood. Yeah, Christian Wood, I had a little bit below there just because we haven't seen him on a real team. Now, I mean, we're talking about redrafting. He's still very young even in this you he's, know, he's 20 he's 24 year. turning 25 before Nick before next season yeah so this is really the first time we're seeing him as a starter he's putting up a lot of numbers but mostly as a play finisher um and then just defensively we really don't know he's got some tools he is a little thin for uh, battling on the boards and post defense uh, that doesn't matter as much but it still does matter and just uh his overall you know there are a lot of questions about the seriousness with which he took the game he certainly has evolved in that area but you know those those were there for a reason when he was in the draft process that's why he ended up being undrafted and bounced around so much so i just wasn't quite ready to put him in this group yeah uh because because of the inserting and then also i mean maybe you could say he's got the upside to evolve into another one of these shooters slash rim protector guys i'm just not sure that he gets to be a quality defensive force i, I find that a relatively remote I, outcome i, I think from possible. for me wood's place in here wasn't so much because he is amazing though i have liked a lot of what he's done it's more that nobody else pushed past it like i'm, I'm sure some people will have d'angelo russell in the tier above where where both of us do but russell again like will he propel your team to an above average offense not a firm believer in that and he's a negative defensive yeah. player so yeah he, he's just a terrible fit on any team that's has any aspirations of winning a playoff series like he's just he just can't he has too many weaknesses that are just going to pop up and he's not dynamic enough to be the number one guy well, to and, make up for those and the other reason why i wanted wood and russell in the same tier is is the idea of where things go from here so russell he can't he's not going to get more athletic like he's not the the weaknesses that he has in his game other than just his jump shot getting even more reliable which would be a big game changer and it's gotten better and that's helped but maybe carrying a little bit more defensively could make a difference but really there isn't that much more like christian wood i think that a we might not have seen everything that he can do and b i think there's there like he has the physical tools that he could get better 
And then the other one, like Royce O'Neal being in this, I'm sure there are going to be people who are shocked by that. Granted, I've been higher on Royce O'Neal than everybody for like three years now. But part of it is there aren't that many players like him. And if you can have a stable defensive wing who can hold his own, you know, not not like a shutdown guy or anything like that. If he was that good, he'd be higher on this list. Who, you know, doesn't kill you offensively. This is about this is about where they would be. So here was my group. I, I had a group of seven players. Okay. I think this is going to include uh, the top guys in my next year, but I'm interested. So I actually, I mean, number six, and again, these this was all really splitting hairs between all these guys, but uh, Kelly Oubre was actually my number six. Um, Top guy in my next yeah. tier. I, I just, I, I think, yeah. yeah. Talk, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you know you. I want he, to see why you he, have him sixth. He, I think his scoring ability has been pretty good. You know, I think he's shown that he can be a solid secondary scorer. Is is taking incremental steps forward every year. The meniscus surgery is a little concerning, but hopefully it's a trim. It's not going to be anything too major for him. And you know, I think he improved a little bit on defense. Again, he's taken some steps forward there. He's better really on smaller players, though we haven't seen him doing that as much in Phoenix than he is uh, guarding the other team's best wing. But he's he's not at least like he doesn't have a target on his chest <laughs> like like some guys do like d'angelo russell does for example um so you know he at least looks the part where he can hold up that way and teams aren't going to just relentlessly attack him that perception is part of the defensive value sometimes it absolutely is and and he's given his age his improvement his athleticism the 7-2 wingspan i think he's got yep probably the highest upside out of the remaining I, I, players? I'm going to move Oubre into that tier. I was, I realize now that I was partially kind of basing this in a little bit on the, on the other kind of the criteria that we were using for, uh, yeah, and for, for current for value. Current value. Than, and yeah, he yeah. is younger and, and the way that he has improved. Yeah. He deserves to be in this tier. I'm still going to have him ninth, but he, but he deserves to be in this tier. So this is going to be controversial. Number seven, Norm Powell. Norm. Yeah. That's, I have him in the next tier. I, I, I'm just a little bit less sold on what he is right now, but yeah, good player. Defense. 63% true shooting this year on 22% usage. And it's not a massive aberration. He was 60% true shooting last year as well uh, on a team that was a, a lot more loaded. He did have a terrible 17-18 for whatever reason, but that really looks like an outlier. It's been, other than that year, it's been a pretty steady progression for him. He's really improved his free throw rate this year. That is now uh, more acceptable as well. He's had a chance to do more on the ball and he's a competent driver still can't pass to save his life that that's one of his big weaknesses and, and he defends pretty well i mean he's not a stopper but he's also he's another guy who's not going to have a target on his chest he can do some switching and he's only 26 right now so i think for me he's got a little more offensive upside to explore he's athletic doesn't have a ton of weaknesses and so i like him uh royce o'neill couldn't go quite as high with him just because i think his uh he's the kind of player that can seem to drop off very quickly already being at, at 27 and when we're we're talking about the rest of the career i think he's probably only got two or three good years left before he becomes more backup quality again it'll be interesting and that's, I, that's I wonder, a big part of this for me i think i think that's fair i wonder how how like his body's going to change and everything like that but I, I think i think guys like him can hold on a little longer now just with the with where things are going as long as his jump shot doesn't fall off a cliff yeah well he's got to be i mean he's got a little bit of pick and roll game he's got a little bit of fast break game uh, but 
the shooting, I mean, I think that'll continue to improve, but he's really very reliant on his athleticism. And so if his defense takes even a slight step back, all of a sudden he's really just, you know, a a rotation wing and that has value, but it's just, it's tough for a pure three and D guy, you know, Richardson, Oubre, Powell, those guys have a little bit more to their games than O'Neal, especially because O'Neal is not a huge defensive playmaker either. Yeah. He's more of a functionary piece. Yeah, it's more about what he does on ball. So, but it's really, I, I think his useful life is, you know, three more years or so. And, and there's a reason that Utah only gave him a three year extension, right? Like they, at 27, they didn't want to give him more than that because that player type can really start to drop off. I mean, look at a guy like, say, Jay Crowder, for example, where he's, he's kind of nearing the end of being a real starter level player when three, four years ago, we're talking about him as, oh, one of the best contracts in the league, but it just, it runs out more quickly well, for and, that type of player. And I, like. I think it's Iguodala is an, is an exception that proves the rule here because he's so smart and because the Warriors also kind well, of... Well, and he is also was, you know, he was scoring in the high teens. He's a yeah, great he was he, he started from a higher point. Like, he's, he, and no, he's, that's, one of the, he's one of the best athletes in NBA history. Yeah, that's too. what I'm I mean, talking about of how... Yeah. I think this is helping your point of the idea that, yeah, that yeah, he, yeah. he... Very few players have that arc. More players have the other one. Um, yeah. Uh, um, and, and, so, and O'Neal is just, you know, he's pretty much a pure... 3 and D guy and those guys are valuable but they also uh, can wane quickly if those core skills well, yeah, so that's, that's one of the things that we've talked about a lot is the like how confident are we in the 3 and the D and it gets even more challenging when you're dealing with a player who might be doing that but for me like the Royce O'Neal doing it now like some of these players like could be better than him but they aren't now so it's kind of yeah, I do value but- the bird in the hand quite a bit but yeah, I mean, but would you rather have eight more years of Kelly Oubre or three or four more years of Royce O'Neal? I mean, that age difference is just massive right now. I think I'd probably rather, I would personally rather have Royce just because I think he, you can slot him in. And Oubre, like what one of the reasons that I have him lower is just that what he does is useful, but it's it's like, you know, he, being your second best forward defender is fine, but that means you're asking a lot of the other guy. And Royce O'Neal, I think, I, I just, I, for me, when, thinking of it from a team building perspective which is usually how we do most things but especially these types of type of elements Royce O'Neal is an easier guy to slot than Kelly Oubre like Kelly Oubre he he can make he can make certain teams a lot better but on an actual like legitimately good team I think that it's harder it's harder for him to be viable except as maybe like a your fifth best starter or more likely you're you're an important sixth or seventh man here's something actually we probably should have clarified at the beginning are we doing this based on who you should have drafted back in 2015 or are we doing it we're just redrafting these guys right now going forward? for me it's I, the way i did mine was this point onward because the the part of if you did it back then is then it incorporates things like porzingis missing the time with the acl and everything else you know yeah but I, but I mean, I mean part of the spirit of this is that we're reevaluating the decision that was made back then yeah that's true so so i i think we probably should include the value up to now now i mean i don't think that's going to cause any massive deviations um but yeah i mean you would you would have to take porzingis out for basically missing a year year well, and, and a you half could, you could even take it of like the more fluky and in, fluky entries versus you know that that sort of thing like it, it's you get rumor it's like you get another roll of the dice maybe more so than like, you get you get to know exactly what happened we can work through that for yeah. a future iteration yeah and, and and justice winslow you know he's missed what basically like two full years at various times when you're talking about that but he still has more value to go but to me i mean towns clearly becomes number one in his own tier if you're looking at because the value. he started so much stronger 
Yeah, and if you want to say going forward, then it's closer. I still think he should be in his own tier. You're saying he, he shouldn't be, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm doing this. I mean, we'll, we'll probably it's probably too late to like make that change now. We can just kind of talk about that that difference, and when we do some other years, which uh, hey, you know, we might we might have time, <laughs> might have time to do a, a few other years. Um, but right now we have to take some time for a break. We'll be right back. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Okay, so some of the other guys that I have in this group now. um, I had D'Angelo Russell at number eight, Winslow nine, Montrez Harrell 10. He's a little older though. The aforementioned Royce O'Neal at 11 and Rashawn Holmes at number 12, who I, I was higher on in the center rankings uh, than you were. Yep. Um, I have him in my next year. I don't, he's not yeah. He's not too far from this for me. So, I mean, this is really my group of players that I consider to be quality starters right now. And maybe that's even too rosy for Winslow, but I also think he just has I, I think it's also. Upside. I think it's that's also why, too rosy yeah. for Harrell. I mean, he's, he's a positive player in a lot of respects but I think if you had him starting and you were saying okay he's our starter for a lot of teams the defensive limitations become a much bigger issue like I, I like Maybe so. I like him in your rotation and this idea I talked about I've talked about this a few times recently of like you know a patchwork quilt of centers all of whom are good at different things I think that Harrell is a really nice piece to have there but if the idea yeah. is you throw him in and you say you expect that he's going to play 28 minutes a game or something in that range which I think with a lot of the other guys on this that is your intention like I would rather have wooden that role than Harrell in that role though I still like Harrell a lot and I think there's an easy argument that Harrell is a better player now and probably will be moving forward yeah I mean how do you say compare a really high-end backup I mean Harrell is closing games for what might be the best team in the NBA so I think you can't necessarily discount that and and he's a really difficult to deal with offensive force you know would he look worse without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George next to him going forward yeah probably so he's a tough guy to value in another situation but but he was able to be really effective the last two years for the Clippers without those guys just you know the defense took a hit but he's a really really good offensive center so whether you I understand the and and his offense would work with a lot of different as long as you have a capable pick and roll guy you'll be fine yeah and he's got the ISO game too the offensive rebounding like that stuff 
stuff that stuff would translate so that's why i had him in here i mean it's we're getting down to a level i mean this is you know 10 12 i mean this is not amazing right i mean there's a lot of drafts that are like this i mean i think this is why we say hey if you're even in the lower end of the top 10 if you draft a guy who ends up being a quality starter for you for a long time you've probably done pretty well yeah especially when you consider rookie you know the rookie scale is still largely team favorable though that's changing a little bit with the the new cba fix that but also you get their match rights i think that could be really valuable and yeah i mean so for me yeah, my group of solid starters and and above that's six that's that's nine that's only nine guys deep and oh i i you know sam vicini and i get into this almost every time i have him on to talk about kind of a draft classes the three tiers for me are stars starters and reserves this group not terrible you know three legitimate like guys who like have star potential still that's not terrible it's not they're not like lebron no doubter stars but they, they have that potential but then the starter group and then when we get into like the clear rotation i think that's the weakness of this class yeah i think you you're right about that um i, I went into i mean maybe i have holmes too high i think i actually may may move him down victory just a little bit just <laughs> just well it's more just because of the position he plays yeah that just that, centers just aren't aren't as valuable that was i was um, i was a little bit weird putting wood as high as i did for that exact reason but i just think that he might have a, a more special skill set in that group so i, I that's why i did it but yeah. also i'll go through my yeah dude you're you're gonna you're gonna get fired that's a risky pick <laughs> as the gm you're you're uh go, going on the unproven christian wood five years into his career but it's but, got a true i mean it, like, that's it, it that's i mean he got he got waived twice i believe twice in the yeah. last 12 months i mean there's yes yeah. now he also has provided basically no value until sure you know, the yeah second if, we were, last year. if we were using but, that but maybe he would have provided more if yeah it's an, they, it's another roll of the dice yeah. like if it, maybe well, if a team drafted yeah. him the second round or drafted him this high maybe then he gets the opportunity from day one now maybe that ends up you know with some of the stuff we've heard about him off the floor maybe that creates some problems i'm thinking yeah. of well and, and how do you deal with this too of him if he wasn't mature enough to really be a professional when he was drafted it's hard to say hey you screwed up by not drafting him. Sure. Was, was someone going to just keep him around through all that like maybe he, it took him getting undrafted I mean, Hassan, then, Hassan Whiteside's a good example of that too yeah yeah I mean you, you got I mean you got to metaphorically go have to go play in Lebanon and maybe that's what it brings you back to where you actually yeah. do make the needed adjustments if you did we was drafted at number 10 and he was just getting paid already and hanging around and believing that like everything that he was doing was working maybe he doesn't become this player totally fair uh so my next group is what I called fringe star Starters, good backups. So they're definitely in the rotation, might end up starting due to scarcity, but, but no matter what, they're going to be an important part of your team. A lot of these guys we've already discussed, I'll name those just briefly. Justice Wins and these ones I didn't really rank. I technically have numbers on it, but I didn't I didn't yeah. agonize over it. Winslow, Holmes, Powell, Harrell, we've already talked about. So that's most of this group. I only have two other guys that we can discuss. One of them is Willie Colley Stein. As yeah, it, for him, it's something that's hard to square. Is just he had this very good and impressive year with Sacramento, but then he doesn't get paid, goes to the Warriors, and isn't particularly inspiring this past year on Sacramento. He didn't really get much of a chance in Dallas. And then the other one was his short-time teammate, Kavon Looney. Like, I have Looney in this tier, too. The health issues are a very real concern, and that's a reason you might want to put him down. But I still, I still, you know, the defensive capability, that's the most important thing for his, possess- for his position. He has offensive skills. 
still like I'm totally fine with having Looney a tier down, but I just, I just still believe in him at being a part of a good team. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like honestly a 25 percent chance that he's able to have the career that we want him to have at yeah, this point. That's I'm true. So yeah, maybe I'm gonna move I'm gonna move him down because of the shift in criteria. Sorry, Kavon. Now you can say that he's he provided some value in the 18 and 19 playoffs. You know, I think that's a yeah. that's a, a reasonable argument uh, for for having up there. For, if we are including the past, you didn't mention Terry Rozier. He's number 13 for me, and I think he's a totally fine uh, third guard on a good team. And so that I know you've been down on him. Uh, but he can shoot the ball and he can defend and he can run a little bit of pick and roll as a secondary guy, not a primary guy. We've seen the, him fail in that role. Um, so and he can, he can rebound he's, he's another guy who doesn't have a target on his chest defensively i'm gonna start using that a lot as you might be able to tell by that's the fact that's the third time i've used that in this podcast but yeah i mean i, I think that he fits in totally well on a good team and, and the fact that he's sort of been a little bit of a punching bag and he got this big contract in charlotte uh i, I don't think that's fair to him i think he's a he's a very solid player um and it's just he's been asked to do much too much in part because he's wanted to do too much but i think he could move into a role on a good team pretty easily if you were to accept that I, I think the biggest part for me is you and I value guards that can't reliably create offense for themselves and others differently for these for these non-starter guys I it's it's what Rozier does is is nice and I have him in the next tier down and I wrote in the notes I wrote like you could argue he's a tier above like it's it's I, it's not that but he's he doesn't create offense well for other people and he's you know he's not bad defensively but I don't think of him as like a meaningful plus and then you think about well how much does a player like that get you I don't want you don't to me want him starting if your team is good and he's he's probably not going to close for you either because those limitations come to the fore unless there's a specific matchup maybe something like well, that I, I think he gets you a lot than like the number 35 center in the NBA Willie Cauley-Stein well, I mean, Bacali Stein, he can help Gusher transition offense. I think he's, you know, inconsistent, but has something defensively. And he can be he can be a part of your rotation in a more consistent way to me than than Rozier. Like they're Yeah, that that's what we disagree on. I think Rozier is has a much more portable and useful skill set for good and bad teams. Yeah, I guess we just disagree then. Um, just uh, again, the high replacement level at center to me. I mean, Cauley Stein just doesn't yeah, do anything. Re- re- replacement that, level is one thing, but it's but and, and that does matter, and I think it's a it's a legitimate concern. But the like, f- I think fitting Rozier in on that type of team, just because you think about well, what do you have to have next to him? You need to have somebody who's gonna, who's going to run the offense and ideally can space the floor and can do all this stuff. It's like, well, then you want that guy anyway. Then Rozier is just he's a complementary piece that just it helps. But it's I I, I just think that those guys like the 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 value over replacement for those guys rather than the replacement value i'm just a little lower in it than you are conceptually is there anybody else in this fringe starter good backup group that you're that you that you want to discuss um let's see here Dalon Wright, I, I had in there too. Um, I have him at the top of the I, next I think, year. But yeah, it's yeah. I, I mean, it's just the, the guys that you're comparing it to. I mean, I've got the group below there is Larry Nance, you know, another kind of center type who's not good enough defensively to me. I had Cauley Stein down there, Tyus Jones, TJ McConnell, Pat Connors. I just think Wright is, is a lovable uh, above that. And there's a reason that he got paid $10 million a year. And some of these other guys, except for Tyus Jones. Larry Nance, who didn't. Yeah. Well, Ty, Tyus Jones too. I mean, I think there's an 
an argument that he should be hard but the thing about Wright is he's not like just a pure backup point guard he can play more positions he can guard more positions well, he, well, he provides more defensively one of the arguments for Wright to have him to have him higher and I I have I think I would rather have Wright than Rozier in the abstract uh, there are certain teams where it obviously be different is that I love that Wright is a defensive playmaker you know that he can he can do those sorts of things I, that's something that I do value in a guard especially if they're coming off the bench so if, you know if you don't need him for a game you don't have to use him as much I like that about Wright yeah, so I I don't have a ton left to talk about here. I mean, there really were once once you get down past some of these players I was talking about. I got uh, Jetty Osmond number twenty one, Rondé Hollis Jefferson number twenty two. You know, those again are kind of eighth men, ninth men types. Where'd you have? Uh, where you have team. one name that I think I have a little higher than you, which is so weird because I haven't. I don't think either of us have been high on him forever. Is Trey Lyles? I think he's a rotation player, miscast so, at points on the Spurs. I, well, so why does he deserve to be in a rotation? Eh. <laughs> what does he? What does he do at this point? I want to. I want to check to make sure that what I say is actually verified. But to me, I think of him as like low, like low surplus value, but capable offensively. But that might just be like precursor stuff. Yeah, I mean he's above average. Above average true shooting this year and in two two of the last three um in, in some of that is I mean, wow this is this is pretty amazing he's kind of like a the dj augustine s three-point shooter this is uh, so 39 percent this year on six attempts per 100 possessions last year nine attempts per 100 possessions but he only made 26 percent year before that eight per 100 38 percent so it's like well if you get one of those good years then yeah that that's a that's something you can work with as a as a backup power forward sure i mean guy who hits yeah he's so bad defense he's real bad though. defensively I, I i mean him him and body bobby portis are like pretty similar to me that's fair yeah i i yeah maybe i should just move Lyles down um, I was so it, it, just, it just hasn't really come around for him. Nope. So uh, that's uh, uh, any. Yeah, I mean, I know he started games for San Antonio, but San Antonio will start some weird people sometimes. That they will. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and other than shoot threes, it really not no other part of his can, game is. Can developed. I tell you that there was a brief moment where I had where I was like, I should put Travion Graber, and I'm like, nope, I can't do it. My my heart wants it, but it's he doesn't deserve it. I mean, he's just the three and D part of it has been yeah. a problem. I still love the dude, but he's, he's he hasn't proven it. No, it's he's in, uh, he's in my so, fringe rotation players group. They're like where you could give him minutes. He's going to be on a team, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, so some of the other players here. I mean, I guess as we go through, we can we can kind of talk more about some of the superlatives from this draft. But you know, you've got Frank Kaminsky, number nine; Stanley Johnson, number eight; Emmanuel Mudiay, number seven; Jaleel Hazonia, number five; Jaleel Okafor. I mean, those are all guys who are just basically hanging around as. 10th through 12th men at this point and did, did you mention arizona product stanley johnson yes yeah no, yeah number eight um so let's uh biggest risers here probably devin booker and josh richardson yeah i mean i would say you, you, miles turner you could argue royce o'neill and christian wood considering neither one of them was drafted josh richardson's a good one i mean he goes from he was josh richardson was 40 was 40th and he's we both have him number five that's that's huge yeah and also I, I mean to go into being a top five pick i think of that as more more impressive than going from undrafted to like the 15th best player yeah in the class, I, right? I mean i have both O'Neal, i have both o'neill and and yeah I, I guess i guess you have them at like six and seven or six and eight right? yeah so, um yeah and and another thing that i think is impressive about richardson i brought up in the beginning of the podcast about how many got how many guys in the second round i think it's 15 yeah 15 second round picks and then one first round pick Nikola Militinov uh, that never played in the NBA. Richardson is basically in this boulevard of broken dreams. I'll give the four picks on hit around him in each direction. 
Rakeem Christmas, Rashawn Holmes, Darren Hillard, Hilliard, and one Pablo Valle. Then after Richardson, Pat Connaughton, who, you know, rotation player, Olivier Hanlon, Joe Young, and Andrew Harrison. Like, that's, it's pretty amazing that he and Norman Powell are basically the only two guys drafted after 35 that were drafted that have done anything in the well, NBA. Well, what, what, what about Holmes? Holmes and Connaughton are no. actually... Oh, I mean, yeah, after 35. Holmes is after 35. That's right. Yeah, and so and so it's kind of... I mean, I actually think to get four solid rotation guys in the 35 through 46 range, that's actually not bad. Um, yeah, I hey, guess that's... Andrew Harrison was in a rotation for a while. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not sure what he's up to now, but uh, I think he's playing in the G League. Let me look. Yeah, he is on the Santa Cruz Warriors. Oh uh, yeah, no, actually I knew that. I, I get confused, yeah, confused as to which Harrison is in which place. Yeah, um, well, Aaron Harrison is uh, is playing 48 minutes for a tanking team somewhere right now. Um, okay, biggest fallers. I mean, Jaleel obviously is pretty rough. Rough number three pick. Hazonia number five pick. I mean, though, and then basically six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, that was everyone was thought that those guys were going to be awesome, and I mean, for none of them to really be even quality rotation players. I, I, I you're higher on Collie Stein still than I am, but uh, he basically got slightly more than the minimum and then got traded to Dallas for a pretty close to fake second round pick from Utah. That's uh, the league clearly does not value these. I mean, the, the only, you know, Johnson got a little bit of a second draft contract with a player option. Kaminsky got the room exception with a team option. And he, he you know, he's in the rotation, but then it was hurt. But I, I think he's a poor substitute as a rotation guy due to his defensive limitations. Should, should we talk? Pretty ugly top 10. Should we talk about the impressiveness that Bobby Portis, who didn't factor into either of our lists, is also getting paid $15 million? Mark Bartlestein. Yeah. And he was offered like a $50 million in an extension. That's actually the, uh, the fact that they turned that down wasn't, wasn't well, the smartest. Th- I think there's I think. another, there's another group that's worth talking about of the like players who were relevant for a period of time, but now are not really in like in the NBA. Cause there's a difference of yeah. like the Militinov who never played, but like Cameron Payne. Yeah. Jared, Jerry and Grant. Yeah. And he, he was, he like started playoff games for, for the Bulls, I think. Uh, or was in the playoff rotation. Justin Anderson, we th- I mean, there's a lot of guys who looked really good in the beginning. I mean, remember Justin Anderson was a key figure in Dallas making the playoffs down the end of the year in the 15-16 season? Mm-hmm. And just, I don't know, there's injuries or getting out of shape or what, why he just, I mean, he's just stopped being, his shot didn't come around, like that really regressed. But then he also just didn't stop making all the crazy athletic plays that he'd been making too. Um yeah, I mean, there's a, a lot of guys who just never, never became anything. Uh, um, Rashad Vaughn was like, get it was getting ticked for the, for the Bucks, Bucks for a while. Yep. Sam Decker at brief moments in time. Yeah, he, who knows whether injuries yes. really set him back in the end. Um, who would you say you have the most uncertainty about still Christian in Wood. this group? Christian Wood by a lot. I don't know. You seem, you seem pretty certain <laughs> about him. You had a pretty eye. No, I, I mean, it, it's, Christ, it's <laughs> Christian Wood. I mean, it's... And that makes him being... Because remember, like, we talked about where a lot of these guys are. He is an unrestricted free agent this summer. Like, not not a yeah. restricted or anything like that. Like, that is wild. 25 years... You're going to be 24 or 25, you know, depending on how you want to count it. Um, I have a piece coming out that talks about this with Christian Wood. Um, yeah, so I have the most uncertainty about him. And he has just such a challenging free agency because so few teams have cap space. Is he even worth more than the middle-level exception? I'm still unsure. Um, yeah, I would put Winslow in that category as well as the 
other because one. of the health we element just, yeah yeah and, and the shooting element sure. too uh that we just don't really have a great feel for at this point in time yeah i, I think those are the two for me um who do you still have hope for even though he's been bad even though he's been bad um yeah. recent willie collie stein um let's see and Winslow would be one of those, maybe. I mean, he's been... I, I would say he hasn't been bad. He's just been unhealthy. He's been a bad value at moments in time. Yeah, um, I mean, it's tough to say what he is uh, because of, uh, he doesn't necessarily get guarded. Um, I still think Emmanuel Moutier could be an okay backup point guard. I was going to say Tyus Jones. I have way more faith in Tyus Jones than Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah, I mean, Jones has really spearheaded some nice me- Memphis bench units. Like, this I, I, there's this weird thing with Tyus Jones that I was all... I, I had this theory, like the 48 minutes of point guard theory with Tyus Jones that was part of why i thought he should be drafted in the 20s and i just never even though he's not the best example of this i always kind of thought of him and to an extent i haven't watched a ton of his younger brother trey like both of those guys and i think they've been consistently underrated just in the idea that they're not spectacular but they can help make your team better in this way that is actually really valuable but not you know yeah and it's it's, it's like yeah, yeah. I, i'm just of that mind with tyus jones i just i value that capable steward a lot more than i think some people do yeah the problem with those guys though is traditional backup point guards seem to basically flame out by the second round of the playoffs unless they can guard other positions True. or do other things yeah like that, that know, i he, think he, that's a part of for you like where delon Wright, you know like so delon Wright for some teams wouldn't provide as much value but the, his 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 pop is more useful on a really good team i think you can make that argument where you have other options what was a pick that just had absolutely no hope at the time and turned out to in fact have no hope I Militinoff? I, I Militinoff, <laughs> I really didn't like Frank Kaminsky when I watched the film that, on him. That's the that's the one for me. And I think and you could make the the Caleb Swanigan memorial one for Jarrell for Jarrell Martin of just a player who the league was never there for him really in the same way and I was just like okay. Yeah. I hadn't watched film on Jarrell. I had watched film on Kaminsky. I just didn't I just didn't think Kaminsky was going to be good. Cauley Stein would be another one for me. I thought taking him at six. Oh, I love I love Cauley Stein's defensive potential. I think this might be part of no. it's the residual positive that I like. I, no, I actually, like the film actually. On this is we we this is uh, one of the disagreements that we had way back then. Yeah. You you thought it was actually an okay pick, mm-hmm. and I was like, what the, they got Demarcus Cousins? What the hell are they doing? But uh, they didn't for they didn't have. Him I mean, he he's been he's been about what I expected him to be. I, he's actually been a little bit worse, I would say, than I expected. I thought he could provide some more value as like a switch guy what, than than he. What's had. interesting is a lot of times when I. I'm higher on somebody and then they they don't meet up to those high expectations i turn on them but then there's some guys i guess it's that i still have hope like they show enough to have the sign the sign of it that i don't turn on them yet and then i'll just turn harder later it happens it'll happen at some point with collie stein um we we did like a review of some of our you know biggest mistakes through the last few drafts but just to, to rehash it here quickly who were you personally most wrong about in this draft Hmm, let me think. I, I mean, I, I can give you mine if you want. Um, Porzingis, I just thought that he was too slow. And he has been slow, but just the rest of his skills were so good that it hasn't mattered. He, he's obviously been solid. I, I, I thought Jalil Okafor Moody, would, Moody would be a solid number two mine. pick. I, I thought that he was yeah, going to... Yeah, I really liked him too. Thought he was, was going to be a solid starter. Three. He was number three on my board. Um, and Stanley Johnson, I thought, had potential. And, you know, I think I, I realized that this could be an outcome for him. But also, I think his his uh, problems with really fitting into a team uh, from a, an emotional standpoint have been a, a big issue for him, too. Uh, 
Miles Turner, I think we both like pretty good. Um, who, who would you say you were most right about? I don't really have many wins in, in this. Uh... Miles Turner, Towns being the unquestioned number one. That was one. Yeah. But with that, that was, yeah, that was tough, generally tough the consent. to pat yourself on the back Well, there were, some, yeah. there were some Russell truthers out there. I don't think there were any Okafor ones by the end. Um, let's see. I like the Ubre pick. That that's turned yeah. out to be good. This, Booker, I just didn't know enough about. This was a draft that I time. hadn't followed anybody really outside of the top fifteen. So I, I the, the, we've sometimes talked about like who we would and would not have liked film on conceptually, but I hadn't really seen so Tyus Jones at twenty four. I thought that was I thought that was a worthwhile pick, and it was. Um, I will say I won when I watched the early film on Larry Nance. I was like, why the hell did you draft this guy? But he's out definitely outperformed his draft slot at twenty. I mean, just a capable player. I mean, look at all the guys drafted around him. Yeah, the, I think the health was a, was a big issue for him too. He's coming off a torn ACL in college, yeah, uh, and he's had and, some. And he was also way older, enough. which we're running into a little bit right. now. Yeah, he was 22 when he was drafted. All right, I think that's it. all we got here. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. And we'll be back tomorrow, but we will stick around here on Twitch to answer a few of your questions. Let's start here. I'll scroll up, uh, get some of these comments. Um, Bernardo Ferreira, 99. I think you guys are underrating KP on defense. The Mavs defense is night and day with him. Uh, I mean, I, I really believe in him defensively. I, I, He's maybe the one guy in the league that I would most want standing under the basket when someone tries to go to the rim. Um, you know, the, he's just got that crazy standing reach and wingspan. I think he's a, a very good defensive player. Uh, I worry a little bit about his mobility. I want to see him in the playoffs. I want to see him you know, getting out on the floor more, some more scheme versatility. Like he hasn't really been stress tested yet in the playoffs crucible but i mean i think he's one of the best rim protectors in the nba so i i value his defense very highly i'm pulling up the on off for porzingis so this uh so yeah i mean so right now mavs have a 108.5 defensive rating when porzingis is on the floor and that jumps up five points per possessions to 113.5 when he's when he's off that is a pretty big difference yeah i mean that's kind of lower end of the top 10 to bottom 10 defense is that difference um how do we get Danny and Nate to trade shirts? What is your shirt? You have like a camp. I camp on water. Right? This is also a Nickelodeon reference. Yeah, this is actually from a a Beta Breakers costume, and then later I just cut. The Did you not watch the show Guts? Because shirt. if you, I'm gonna, about to be really sad right now if that's the way this happened. I didn't really know because I I'm a little too old. Oh, for it. it was so it, good. It, it's more like your generation. Um, wow. Than mine, but but uh, w- one of my friends was more that generation. No, he had like a fake uh, aggro crag that we were like carting around with us yeah i was during the whole beta breakers if you guys don't know that's uh it's kind of like just another halloween it's this race that takes place uh most years in may on on in may uh and people just dress up in call costumes and walk the course and then go to parties yeah i uh, it was a very distinct childhood experience i ran the beta breakers every year from when i was i think like 12 to when i was 17 so yeah it was a very san francisco experience for me the Spurs not getting a capable five to displace Laz in the starting lineup is an underrated reason why they've been bad. I'm not sure that a five is what they need. I think that with Pirtle, they had that. Um, and, and Aldridge probably defensively is going to be hard-pressed to play anything but the five. I think it's more really having a four to replace, it, whether you want to say it's Bertans or you know someone who could move into the starting lineup to be what they hoped Amari Carroll could be for them, that he just wasn't this year. Um, where would we have Pat Connaughton? Uh, Jeff Siegel, good to, good to hear from you, buddy. Um, I have him. He's already 27. Where, where do you I had him day? in the rotation players category, so that was 15 to 22. Um, you know, I think you could throw him in a rotation, not a high amount of minutes, but I think he's fine. 
yeah i think i had him 20th overall in this group and we'll of course post these at patreon.com slash duncan larue uh both of our our boards here um after looking at the careers of these draft picks which teams actually did a good job developing players to fit a particular role or in general um that's a good question well i think the heat the heat with both winslow and richardson richardson in particular i mean that's the number one to me yeah i i I think that's totally fair and winslow they've they've maneuvered him into a spot that he could be a more useful player like i think that you know you compare there are lots of reasons why he's been more successful than stanley johnson but i think development and support is a part of that boston with terry rozier who pretty much everyone was saying was a big reach at the time yeah and those those are the ones that really stick and utah with o'neill would be another one absolutely yeah Um, because he if he wasn't playing that role he wouldn't be in the nba and devin booker has improved a lot and he's grown into the player that a lot of people thought he would be i don't know how to apportion credit with that but i'm sure the suns get some of it i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna give it to him mostly i I, I don't think there was a i I mean they've you know uh, cody topper was there i mean i i know him i think he has a good philosophy uh, with players he was there last year when booker took some stuff forward and uh ricardo foist another friend of the program he's there now and and i I think so they've they've probably done some pretty pretty good work with them i I would say but it's also uh that they've just had so much discontinuity that it's hard for the overall organization it's hard to put a a lot of uh, credit on them like oh yeah they really had him defined his role and like worked his skill set towards this role uh that that seems and, and he he came in like way better than expected already mm-hmm. so I, I don't necessarily give the organization that um let's see why was trey lyles drafted so high as uh med tech spurs um i think part of it was just not understanding that pure power forwards were dead and that was funny because I think at that time it was like, oh, you need like a stretch four now, right? That was that was the revolution. You needed a stretch four, but we just didn't realize that traditional power forwards just weren't gonna be able to survive defensively anymore. Well, and another part of this here, uh, I, I have his player page up. These were these were Trey Lyle's recruiting rankings going into his single season at Kentucky. Eleven on Scout, thirteen on Rivals, six on ESPN. Like, so he was a highly touted guy who kind of did what people thought he was going to do in college and so that's often the way this works out and it's not like that's necessarily a bad thing some of the guys who did well in things like rsci and then were bad in college ended up being better than their draft slot uh all right last one here uh k vans 43 how would you compare porzingis and gobert what are the biggest differences in their defensive games uh i think that gobert is much more mobile i think he plays harder he is a much better rebounder yes that's where i was and and i think he just has better awareness and help instincts better conventional pick and roll defense instincts as well uh better hands probably uh i mean it's really i think he's better in just about every area except maybe if he's standing right under the rim and you try and go go score on him then maybe porzingis uh is superior um but yeah anything to add there nope, is that... that was a great summary all right thanks for joining us uh hope hope this was fun tell your friends uh we'll be back we usually what the plan is going to be is we're going to tweet out when we know when we're recording i mean it's going to be an approximate time because a lot of times we just start recording when our research is done and that can take longer than we expect at times so it's going to be pretty loose but usually we'll try and get tweets out both the about the time that we're going to do it during the day and then we'll also try to tweet when we're around when we're starting and uh then when we actually are starting so that that'll be the system if you want to get back in here again uh and we'll see you tomorrow night till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 